Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Robcast. I am recording this intro to the episode on my phone in the green room of Kane's Ballroom in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Last night, I did the Introduction to Joy show at Tower Theater in Oklahoma City, and now I'm about to go on here at Kane's Ballroom in Tulsa. I first came to Tulsa in 2015 for the Everything Spiritual Tour, and somebody at the time said, hey, you should go around the corner and check out Kane's Ballroom. It's like this legendary historic venue. Everybody has been there, played there. You should see it. So we went over, and I stuck my head in the room, and I was just like, oh, what a space. What a venue. And now I'm about to go on and do a show here. Just, yeah, there's just these endless moments that just aren't words for that that kind of thing. So, oh, by the way, um, coming up, uh, my next Largo show is May 14th um, in Los Angeles. It's always more fun when you're there. And then the next intro, Introduction to Joy shows um, next month, April, I'll be in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and Charlotte, North Carolina. And then in May, uh, Fresno, California. I've never done Fresno, never been to Fresno, and also Santa Barbara. And then uh, what, that leads us to June. June will be Knoxville, Chattanooga, and Louisville. So uh, those tickets just went up. Would love to see you at any one of those. Oh, and uh, we also just posted, we finished, I finished the Leviticus 12-hour series, Blood, Guts, and Fire, my audio commentary in the book of Leviticus. It's now all done, and uh, it's all at my site, so you can download it there. So those are things that are going on. But now uh, you're going to hear this interview with Davin Youngs, who is just a luminous human being. And one of the things that's so significant to me about this interview is you're going to see I'm just sort of following up. He came on the Robcast a little while ago, and then he's back, and I'm essentially just following up on what he's been up to. And you'll gradually see, oh, he's like, he's exploring something. He's going somewhere. And one of the reasons why I find a person like this and an interview like this so compelling is because it's an it's you're watching somebody figure it out, which is what we're all doing at some level. You just take a step in this direction, then you take another step in that direction, and then you you have a setback, you have an obstacle, um, something works, and so uh, you learn that when you go in that direction, something powerful happens. That's uh to me, that's the thing right there. It's not necessarily the fireworks and all the stuff that gets, uh, you know, posted online, all of the, the glory and the shimmer and shine. To me, the compelling, interesting things, the things that ignite my curiosity are when somebody just decides they're going to follow it wherever it takes them. That's interesting. So I hope you find this interview as as fascinating and honestly as inspiring as I did. So uh, my friends, here we are with Davin Youngs. Oh my friends, here we go. Here's a new old friend who's back in the back house, Davin Youngs. What's up, Rob? How's it going? I'm so glad you stopped by. I'm You're in town super from Chicago. glad to be here. Yeah, yes. Okay, I the first time you were here was so profound. I feel like we need to go back Great. and start there. Um, your training, your background is in music, singing, yes. performance, yes. vocal, giving vocal lessons. Yes. And you always love singing. Since, uh, since the moment I left the womb and probably before that, you know, my mother tells a story of being at my brother's musical and uh, not being able to sit still while she was pregnant with me because I was in motion then when I was around music. So to then come into this world fully afterward, I found myself singing right away. Wow, so always it's felt like the most natural thing. Yeah, and I'll tell you, it's 
it's something that I identified very strongly as when I was young and then had to leave for a while. And it's something now, if you ask me what I do, the first thing I'll say to people is I sing. And that's been a very conscious choice to say that I'm a singer. So you're living in Chicago. You're in your 20s. You're giving vocal lessons. You're performing. Yeah. So various I, places. Yeah. So I went to uh, a conservatory for music. Mm -hmm. I studied classical operatic singing. Um, and then I had sort of existential crises, as a lot of 21-year-olds do, and thought, you know, maybe I actually don't want to be an opera singer. And so I moved to Chicago um, in a departure and worked in offices doing administrative work. I kept myself around uh, nonprofit arts work with the hope that that would satiate some need. And, you know, spoiler alert for anyone who does that, it, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> pushing paper in an office is not making or performing art. Um, it is a necessary tool for helping yeah. artists, but it's not the same thing. And that's yeah. important. I learned that along the way. But all the while I was teaching private singing lessons outside of that, I was performing professionally with choirs and sort of whomever would hire me for weddings and funerals and things like that. And uh, yeah, and kind of just living this dual life, uh, also doing church music, performing and leading um, in church settings. But yeah, there was the office Davin, and then there was the singer Davin, and it felt at the time like near the twain should meet. Oh, interesting. And then what happened? So um, the best way I can describe this is that I came to, I have a very specific memory of uh of a New Year's where I felt pretty broken in my professional setting. And I remember sitting at the time with my partner and actually crying because I hadn't gotten a job, an administrative job at another um, nonprofit, which was a great organization, an arts organization. Um, but I felt really hopeless in that moment because I felt like there, I felt like I had a tremendous amount to give and I just wasn't able to give it on these like seemingly basic levels in this space. And if I fast forward to that summer, something happened after that where my private voice studio started to really organically grow. And I started to just have the idea, what if I taught private singing lessons as my primary source of income? It literally hadn't occurred to me prior to that. I thought that I needed a salary and I needed health insurance and I needed vacation time. And that's what people kept sort of, you know, reiterating to me that I had it so great, even though I wasn't making very much money, <laughs> but it was secure, right? Um, it had flexibility. I could sing on the side. Um, so my voice studio started to grow and I had another kind of aha moment laying on the living room floor at my parents' house where I thought, what if I could teach private voice only as my income? And um, that week, maybe, I put together a plan and within six months had found my way out of working in a full-time setting and um, actually found myself making a better income with a lot more flexibility teaching private singing. Oh, this, this story is so great and kind of weirdly typical right. in the best sense of the word. Totally. You... The, but you have structure and you have security and you have all of this. And yet something within you is like, no, more, yeah, more, yep. more. There's some restlessness yeah. that is like asking for attention. It's like demanding an audience. And if I'm honest with you, I've always felt that way. Like, I don't remember a time not feeling that way. And I've always wondered if that's part of the human experience or if that's specific to me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've had this sense since a young age of, of greater calling of, I, I'm the son of a minister, um, I'm the son of a teacher, and I always knew from an early age what it was to stand up in front and lead people. And I felt like a call to that early on, but I didn't know what that meant outside of performing more classical singing styles, which then as an adult, I decided I didn't feel was an authentic expression of who I was. So that, that rub was significant in my life because I knew that there was more there, but I wasn't sure how I would possibly get to it. Oh, this is so, I'm already smiling because I, Robcast friends, I know where this story is headed, so I'm already smiling at all the things you're saying now. So you're teaching voice lessons, and then you start doing these workshops. 
Because that video that I saw, you go into like this business conference. Yeah. And these people are like sitting around for session number nine on whatever. Yeah. And these, it's just extra starch. Yes. It is just the most dry whew, uh, business setting. And you, the, the video I saw, they hire you to do a session and you come in the back singing. Yes. Walking in among these conference attendees. And the camera is catching their faces and they're like, what the, what yeah. is this guy doing? And you just keep singing. <laughs> and by the end of that the should be my biography clip, title. You just kept. I just kept singing. Devin Young story. By the end of the video that I saw, the whole place is on their feet, moving around the room, singing. Yes. And so you start doing this. Yeah. All over the place. Yeah. So I talked a little bit about this last time, but I went to. So I did a lot of work on my voice, my personal instrument, my physiological mm -hmm. instrument, um, through a, a teacher um, whose name is Jeannie Lavetri, who created a methodology of teaching called thematic voice work. She um, is responsible for transforming my voice into something that felt physically free and as a result, more authentically expressed. And I worked hard on that. I worked a solid like two years with her while I was teaching, two and a half years. And once I got done with that work, I wanted to just sing, and I still felt lost as to what to sing. Can you show me the difference between a not free voice and a free voice? Um, <laughs> no pressure. Okay, here we go. Um, oh, do you know what hip singing is? No. Oh, y'all should Google the YouTube video about hip singing. It's, it's, okay. This is, if I go, <laughs> happy birthday to you. You know girls who sing like that? Yeah. Some guys too. Or, um, uh, <laughs> give me a song. Oh, amazing grace. Now look, there are people in life who those sounds are the result of their experience. And there are a lot more people who try to make those sounds as uh, in an effort to achieve an effect. Yes. Okay, now you ready? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I'm not affecting anything there, friends. I'm just sharing. And I mean it with all sincerity when I sing it. So, oh my, I have to recover from that. <laughs> <laughs> this teacher, her, her genius, her wisdom. Yes. She sounds like a, like a, tribal village elder she she is she, that more. she meets you with your voice wherever it's at and helps you sounds like open up your voice so it's almost like soul can just rush through or so it cleans out the channel yeah. or something she said to me and this hurt terribly she said to me you don't know your voice because if you knew your voice, you wouldn't push it like you are. And it was the first time that anyone hadn't applauded me for pushing my voice. I had been um, praised for having a big voice for so long, but I was making it in an inauthentic way. I was making the sound in a, in a way to impress you rather than to have authentic expression. So when she said that to me, I crumbled. And then I was like, please tell me more. <laughs> Tell me more about myself. I need to know because no one has said that to me and I need you to tell me about myself. And, um, and through what's called functional vocal training, she did. I learned a whole lot about myself and, you know, experienced this sort of great, profound transformation, not only with my voice, but in my life because that is how this works. And that's what I ex have experienced as a teacher. And I'll tell you too that that was, I had been out of the closet for years, but I hadn't been out of the closet in the way that I was when I started singing with freedom and authenticity because I knew that singing in front of people meant being seen um, and meant being authentically heard. And I had grown up in a place where I wasn't able to mm. be seen or heard authentically. So mm -hmm. I just knew how to do it to impress 
impress people. So at that time in my life, when I worked with her, I also, you know, happened to end up in, you know, now what is a nine-year relationship and um, found myself in more authentic friendships and, and what felt like a, just a freer journey. Absolutely. I, I remember uh, in my late 20s, early 30s, I met this master teacher named Dwight Pryor. Mm -hmm. And he, could, uh, he would do these events where he would talk for a couple days straight. And it was just as riveting at the end as the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I remember he would pause. And all these things would happen in the spaces. The, the pauses were where the, I would get hit by the lightning bolts. <laughs> and I knew as a teacher, speaker, slash performer at some level, in those days especially, the, no, you push it. Mm. Energy. Yep. Show them how passionate oh. you are. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I was setting things on fire and making big piles of dirt, and yep. it was like... Uh, it was like, how much energy can I let everybody know how much I care? Oh man, I and and you learn that at a young age how uh, to do that, right? Because it, I yeah. I'm the same way. Like, and actually, that video you talk about, you know, I'm good at that. Like, I can walk into a room of of that's lacking in energy, and I can create it. I know how to do that. Yeah, right, right. But it's, I'll tell you, I've also learned that that is not sustainable. That correct that model, and that's been big for me. But I I know. At some point, yeah, he was the first, like her, he, he was, it opened up this, wait, there's some other yep. kind of energy. It's not something I generate. It's something I open myself up to, yep. and it comes roaring through me, yep. and it doesn't need a lot of pyrotechnics. It has its own devastating potency. Isn't that a relief? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that Oh, I'm it's not I'm I don't have to carry this. Yep. I I allow something to happen. Yep. And it's so much bigger and more powerful. Yep. And then you can be full of yourself and move around all you want, but there's some other thing. Yeah. And you don't know that until you know it. And you don't, right. you know, you can observe it in others, you can aspire to it, but until you find it in yourself, it, it can be really difficult. Yeah. But I did, I mean, I got my first taste of that through her. And then after that, I was like, I really just want to sing. And which brings me to how, you know, kind of how I got connected even with you is that I went to this workshop at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York with Bobby McFerrin, which is called Circle Songs. And I learned these tools of improvisational singing. And that, that really was, I don't know, so I'm, I'm really glad I followed that intuition because improvisational singing is not about what style you sing and it's most often not about performance. It's about community and spontaneous sound and spontaneous singing. And um, I like, I mean, I just clicked with that work so fast and I left that experience obsessed and started like pretty much what turned into like a daily practice of improvisational singing. And that's when I drummed up this idea of taking the work to corporate groups because I thought, how cool would that be <laughs> if I could get these people who want nothing more than to stay inside of themselves, um, to leave themselves and connect with each other through this tool that I know is nearly immediate. That, that I know that it's one of the fastest and quickest ways in is for us to to sing together. And Were other people doing this, going into corporate settings? There are few people, I, I got to tell you, so here's one thing I've learned. It's a real hard sell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's. It, um, we heard earlier today someone say that, you know, it sounds like a good idea for someone else. And that is... Uh, that is a, a very common reaction. That sounds like a great idea. That's so cool. And that just scares the, you know, out of me. <laughs> oh, interesting. So, so, and I understand that. And, and that, I would say that regardless of my skill and my experience, I feel sympathetic and empathetic to the um, vulnerability and fear of using one's voice, you know, in community, and for some people, that even means by themselves. You know, just being heard. The implications for, for being heard. I understand that. For some people, that can feel like like the possibility of death, the the need for so much protection, 
around that. And so I'm aware of that. I'm also aware that they're going to be fine and that there are no recorded stories of anyone dying singing. And so like, if I can like, you know, um, get, trick them a little bit into having the experience and then get them to willingly come along afterward, they will inevitably walk away experiencing some joy. Tell me about a time when you went into a setting and it was the most like this is going to be this is going to be this is going to be a hard one or this is going to take this place is pretty cold. <laughs> okay, so after I did Cuz you have indomitable confidence in this and yet I have to imagine there are times when you're like oh wow this one yeah. It's gonna take something. But I think I'm pro I think I'm I'm gonna guess I'm like you and that that feeling is is also incredible. Oh the best. Yeah, yeah. The I'm best. like, try me. That's why I asked it. <laughs> I really do. I mean I feel that I don't know when that came from, but when I have those experiences, I'm like, okay, here we go. Let's try this. Um so after I did this podcast and I've become friends with this person who who hired me for this job, but I made my way to the southern part of the country and I ended up in a church setting. Um, and it happened to be in a community that's primarily occupied of with people of a certain age. And um, I don't even know why they came, the people that came. I don't know what they thought they were getting into, um, but it was, the resistance was incredible and it was angry it was angry i do this thing um i think i'll talk more about this but i do this thing where i loop my voice so i take these improvised patterns and i put them through what's called a looping device which takes the audio and plays it over and over and you can add layers in and i had set up a loop in this space to welcome people into the space and uh, a woman sat down what was the loop Oh, it's something spontaneously created. So it's okay. kind of like the best way I can describe it would be sort of like a sonic landscape, right? Like yep. this pattern that continues on and it's meant to just like hold space. The sound is meant to hold space. And this woman sat down and she looks at me and she goes, that doesn't have any words. <laughs> I'm like, you're telling me I'm the one that made it up. <laughs> I was like, but she's also in for a rude awakening because we're not going to use many words when, <laughs> when we sing together either. But I tell you what, they, they were so hard. And one guy left midway through and a few of them had just an awesome time. And I, I don't... I don't regret anything about that experience. Yes. I loved it. I loved every second of it. I learned so much about myself as a leader in that setting. But the resistance can be, you know, incredible. And, and, and it has nothing to do with what I'm doing. You know, it has to do with where that might take someone. The, and specifically with the voice in terms of sound, it's, it's, it's the tool, right? It's, this, it's the essential tool. Um, so what the implications are for that are profound. Absolutely. So, um, so you're doing this, and then you keep going. <laughs> you you sense there's more. How, how do you how do you explain what happened next? Well, so it's interesting to be here because I was thinking that today is kind of like a strange benchmarker in my life to come back and talk to you again, and you know a lot. It's I think it's like two years ago since we mm -hmm. spoke and just what feels like a lot has happened and changed that I would not have been able to predict when we were together. But I left this, you know, this time with you and I did as a result, secure some additional work, especially with Voxus, you know, taking the singing work into um, corporate settings. Uh, and I still have that. I'm still, you know, uh, that possibility still exists, but on a personal level, I was, the best way I can describe this is some sort of a spiritual awakening. And that always, like to say it, seems cliche um, because I've been thinking lately that maybe that's just the continuation of my life. The spectrum of my life is this constant awakening of spirit. Um, but I was, finding, I was finding that the work I was doing was singing in the private studio space. And then personally, especially this work around improvised singing was... Um, unleashing or unlocking um, a type of freedom that made me want to go, the best way I can describe it is go to weirder places. Okay. Yep. Um, and there was something about that 
that corporate setting that I just found myself not pursuing. I wasn't pursuing it. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, I didn't have a good explanation as to why. And I was still teaching privately. Um, What was once a new step of freedom and liberation and exploration weirdly became confining. Yeah. It's like the spirit needed a new form. Yeah. Yeah, and even in and I'll, full transparency, saying that now still feels a little like, oh man, am I closing the door on something that I should keep open to? You know, just saying that, that's been a part of this trajectory. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, but, but I found myself outside and like my mm-hmm. personal life experiencing um, my yoga practice was growing, my personal practice, my meditation practice was growing. Uh, the church music that I was creating, I direct music at a place called Grace Chicago Church. I was experimenting a lot more. Um, and I just found that I wanted to see what else there was. And then this all corresponds with finally uh, uh, a time with teaching private singing where I felt burned out, where mm-hmm. I found myself in a place of what I couldn't label at the time, but what I can say now was was burnout. And um, it was a time of great loss because I felt like I shouldn't be burned out. (laughs) And, you know, you've been speaking to this recently, um, so hopefully this is in line with those conversations, but I felt a tremendous amount of shame and guilt around not pursuing further this work in the corporate arena. I felt like I was super fortunate to be doing this great work of teaching private singing lessons and how could I not want to do it? Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> um, it, it was it was hard. I mean, I spent a lot of time in therapy <laughs> talking it out because I didn't know. And literally everyone else around me was like, of course you're burned out. <laughs> like, you've been hustling for a long time. But I couldn't, I couldn't own that. It took me a long time to own it. But in June of last year, fast forward, I took what I deemed a radical sabbatical. And that's when the sky sort of split open for me. Because when we have the feeling, the judgment is what's wrong with me. Yeah. Instead of whatever this is, it's here to tell me something. Yeah. So the judgment's not helpful at all. Yeah. The only interesting thing is, what is this? Where does it want to take me? And any like, well, this is great. Why well, should love... No, not not the questions to ask. Yeah. yeah, isn't that interesting? We feel that. And how oftentimes there's like a reflexive voice on the shoulder with guilt and shame, et cetera, instead of, oh, interesting. This is, this is great, and I'm feeling this, then apparently there's something even better. Yeah, and that... Isn't that fascinating? It is. How that works. I recently was watching a documentary where they were talking about alternative healing modalities and I won't quote it exactly, but someone said something to the effect and we believe in our ability for illness to kill us more than we believe in our ability to heal. And I, that like paradigm shift for me is so significant in terms of the changes that I've made in my life because it wasn't, I was just always tiptoeing into certain directions around the work that I was doing. And I thought that those were big steps because I still believed in, even if I'm being, again, transparent, even the the step from working full-time into being self-employed teaching, that wasn't a significant, I didn't take a financial hit to do that, right? Like I worked my butt off and I didn't have a giant loss through that time. <laughs> These things that seem so huge and radical and dangerous and, whoa, I'm way out there. And then six months or a year later, you look back and you're like, yeah. And people around okay. you will tell you how brave you are. And you're like, well, it's different. <laughs> right, know? right, right, right. It's like, I don't feel brave. It's different. So you then the, you said the sky opens up. You sort of crash. Yeah. You start following this new thing. And what, what do you mean the sky opens up? What happens? So I had been creating this improvised work, like I said, on looping devices. And I had 
been exploring my yoga practice more, my meditation practice more. I had um, kind of wondered where these worlds might meet. And so I had what I really do consider to be a spiritual practice around singing every day, using my voice through loopers. And I would create these sort of sonic pads in my studio by myself. And I literally would find myself creating them and just kind of laying on the floor um, in a posture of meditation or shavasana, enjoying the fruit of my creation around this thing. And I was doing it to practice creating these parts to lead other people. That was the original idea. But then I was like, oh, these are cool. And that really got me curious about sound as a healing modality and as a tool for meditation because simultaneously I was in yoga classes where some of you all may have experienced gong baths or to be around a gong played at the end of a yoga class in Shavasana. And I was having these sort of experiences with the gong that felt transformative. And then I would be on my back in my studio by myself feeling something similar around these things. Would you play it loudly in your studio? Oh yeah, man. I want the Florida rumble. Okay. So you're in your (laughs) studio, you're lying there in Shavasana. Yes. You have it cranked up. Yes. The bass. Yes. These frequencies, this sonic landscape you've created. Yep. The vibrations, the waves, the sounds are permeating your body. Yes. And you're going somewhere. Yep. Yeah. And I'm having... Are you losing track of time? Oh, of course. And having like, like, I mean, physical reactions, like twitches in my body and things, which yeah. happens, has happened to me a number of times at the end of uh, yoga class or at the few sound, at that time at the few sound baths I had been to. Because we store all these things in our body and our body's always telling us the truth. Yes. So I assume these, the frequencies, the sounds, the noises, the music is, it's finding things in your body without question and stuff that you don't know you're hanging on to like specific things yeah like stuff will come up i mean like and this is not an un well i feel like we should define even when i'm saying sound bath some people might not even know what that is so if you don't mind i'd like to define this because we've suddenly jumped <laughs> is there a on. faucet is there a yeah so Go ahead. sound bath so there so so sound is ancient medicine for healing and there um are things that people might encounter often in yoga studios although now you find them all over the place and they go by a lot of names so these experiences so sound bath um, gong bath gong wash sound immersion sound journey sound experience um but the idea behind these is that people would essentially like immerse themselves in sound um, and and not just any sounds, but strategically used sounds, often for anywhere from an hour to 90 minutes. Less songs and more tones. Yes, yes. And resonating frequencies and pitches. Right. As opposed to a chordal structure or a melodic. Yep. Okay. So... I had had a few of those experiences at a, a local yoga studio and I got really curious and I'm the type of person that like, you know, once I find out about it and I want to know, I'm like, you know, constantly Googling and I found myself like buying all these instruments and before I knew it, I had booked a retreat to upstate New York and I was like, I want to know everything about sound as a tool for healing um, as a tool for meditation, as a tool for transformation, because I had had that experience with my voice. And I was curious like about the other tools, the other tools, especially those that kind of come from ancient traditions. It's interesting how your, your voice is uh, internally emergent. It comes up from within and then out. And what you're describing is sound that starts out yep. and moves in. It's al- almost... Uh, in integral theory, they talk about all lines, all quadrants. Mm-hmm. Like there's interior and then there's exterior, interior of subjective, exterior subjective. Like the you're almost like looking for the external man, uh, dimension of your internal voice yeah. at some level. Yeah. And I think that that's that, fascinating. I mean, that's why we like to sing in the shower, right? Yes, yeah, because it comes back at us. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a there's a joy to be found in our sound. Um by the nature of like its inherent worth, but the the idea of hearing it outside of oneself and then it connecting to the cosmic sound, it, I think that we know that on some level. That's why we like to sing together. 
but then there are instruments that have been used that um, somehow kind of connect cellularly yes <laughs> to yeah. to the body too that take people to similar yet different spaces like that certain frequencies for some reason have a resonance yes physiologically with cells molecules atoms yes and we're now learning all these things obviously ancient traditions knew this all knew along it. we just now have the data and the science to go yeah, there's something happening there. Yeah, and I, so I was just reading recently, and because you're Pastor Rob, there are two, <laughs> there are two biblical references that I was made aware of. Okay, King Saul summons David with the harp. Yes. Because he had an evil spirit in him. Yes. Right? And it For somehow healing. brings him relief. Yeah. Um, Jericho, the wall of Jericho, and the walls came yes. a tumbling down, which I know there's a lot of question around the historical accuracy <laughs> of that story. But the idea remains, right, that 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 sound um, can affect change in some sure. some aspects significant. significant yeah. yeah, yeah. And obviously in, in other, like, situations where they blast really annoying music to get people to come out of buildings. I mean, we have we have lots of examples of sound being used in all sorts of good and annoying and destructive ways. Yeah. Um, what is one tra ancient tradition? Is there a note or an instrument or a frequency that most affected you in your hunt, in your search, that you were like, wow, like a particular gong or a bowl or something? Yeah, so so again, just to expound, if people don't know, like a lot of the, the instruments that are traditionally associated with this work, the gong is the most ancient. It's it's you know thousands of years old, and it's it's what's so interesting about the gong is it um, we don't really know where it came from. It comes from a lot of different places. Something like it has existed from a lot of different areas of the oh, world. A modern instrument that dates to the 1980s is the crystal singing bowls, which are um, made of quartz crystal. Um, but something about these instruments that's interesting is they have very complex sounds. So you're not hearing just a single tone. You're hearing um, overtones and undertones. You're hearing a lot of information. Um, and so some of my earliest experiences were with the gong, just feeling like the rush of the gong actually like triggered experiences in my body. And then as a result, my emotional brain, you know, um, I would see colors. I would have just experiences of stories from the past would come forward. So the gong was my first real experience like that. Um, but this is going to, I hope this doesn't sound egotistical in any way, but the stuff that I'm making has been really profound in terms of its impact even on me, which is yes. is really I say that with all humility and fascination um, mm -hmm. because I really, you know, the most complex instrument that exists on this earth is your voice, right? It carries the most information. And so I'm just really interested in, in what, what that means for this work um, and, uh, and where I can take that to um, entrain others. Uh, do you know what entrainment is? Entrainment? Yeah. No, I haven't heard that word. So entrainment is um, it's a biomusicological term, and it speaks to something's ability to vibrate something else. So if you, oh, if you, if your phone's on vibrate and you set it on the table, when your phone vibrates, it is not only your phone that vibrates; it's the table that vibrates too. And so, um, you know, we do that to each other. Yes. In the most literal of senses, you and I are doing that to each other in this conversation. Yes. There's a vibration that we're sharing. Um, and by mere proximity, it's becoming more similar. Yes, yes, yes. They talk about certain actors have a particular resonance to their voice. Yes. That grabs you and alerts you and is working on you in a number of different ways. Yep. Um, or uh, I've noticed, I was just in the ocean an hour ago, two hours ago, certain dolphins, when they come by and make their noises, the dolphin noise up close is there's no other noise in my life like that noise. Mm -hmm. And it's coming through the water too. Yep. Uh, and there's all this interesting study, I'm sure you found this about whale, when whales communicate, that a whale, they'll take like a 
picture of the frequency of the whale noise when they call to each other. And you picture like a jagged line. Yep. But then they zero in, and that jagged line, and they zero in, there are more little grooves when you focus in tighter. And then when you focus in even tighter, there are even more little huh. grooves in it. And when you're focusing, like fractals almost, like the right. you go in. So, so there's all this interesting new information that, that a whale communicating is probably way more complicated than our speech. Oh, there's man. like way more. And no matter how far they like sort of focus in on the, on the, the picture of yeah, sort of the there's more. sonic wave, they discovered that there's even more little curves and blips and squeaks in there. And so <laughs> you're wondering just how much information is going oh, on between whales. That's so great. <laughs> so great. I also think about, uh, you think about those early U2 albums where they're tuned down a half step or a whole <laughs> step. <laughs> and why people would have such emotional responses at those U2 shows. Yeah. And then you read just even the way they've tuned like there's a number of things going on there the bass is doing something here those high ringing tones are doing something here the voice is doing something here like you're having a physiological a multi-layered physiological response or or any music that sort of stirs you at some level is doing that yeah and i and i think so what stands out to me about that idea is intention yes and, and i think that that you know you asked me what tone and um i'm not sure that it matters completely i think that the tone has specific impacts because there are waves associated right hertz the volume the tone the pitch all of this has uh, an impact but I think the intention of its use yes. is something that we should pay the most attention to, right. which is why um, I'm like so stoked to be doing the work I'm doing right now because my intention feels really pure. Like it, at this stage, yes. it feels really direct. Um, and it feels like I'm able to connect to something I haven't been able to connect to before while doing it. And that's that's... I've had that experience, like with the teacher I mentioned earlier, you know, right. you're like, oh, it's not even exactly what you're saying. It's just that it's vibrating me in a way that I haven't been vibrated before. <laughs> and the intention <laughs> is, is doing it. So you now are, you're taking these recordings or you're doing it live? I create them live. Yeah. It's all spontaneously created. So what kind of spaces are you now I mean, yoga studios, music studios, clubs, like what kind of spaces are you working in now? All of them. So, um, yeah, the space is, is, can be anything. And people are laying down? Most of the time, yeah. So we'll say what I do that is unique. So, well, there are a number of things I do that are unique, but one thing is the, 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 primary source of sound is my voice through electronic looping devices, which I then fold in these instruments that we've been talking about. But in addition to that, I like beats. And so I eventually take this work to a space that gives it a little thud. Um, and so it, I invite people to move. Um, they rarely do. <laughs> Most of the time my experience thus far is that they're kind of flat on their back the whole time, but it does, it, this I always say it's not your grandma's sound bath. It's a little it's a little notch up of that. And how long does an experience last? Ninety minutes is my preferred time, but you know, sixty to. And what kind of when people are over? What kinds of things are when it's over? What kind of things are people saying? <sighs> it's crazy. I mean, honestly, like so. These are honest stories. So I've had. Um, I had a woman tell me that her sister, who passed away 20 years ago, came and delivered information to her during that time, that she had um, some closure through that. I've had people just like pass out, you know, during the experience, which I think is such a wonderful thing. Like, I think that rest is like one of our um, lost luxuries of culture and so i'm really excited about even when someone just told me like i don't remember any of that i slept the whole time um because it's loud it not not offensively so i i like to think about it as a container you know or a cushion the the volume is like something to rest in uh it's yes, not that's something what I mean. yeah. there's something about this noise 
generally you don't think of noise as leading you into sleep. Right. That's what okay, I, mean. I understand. Is, is yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody is saying I went I was out cold. Yeah. Which is generally what you don't say when you go into a space that specifically is programmed to have music coming at you. Yeah. Well, and let me just say, too, so the science behind this is, you know, people probably know about um, beta, alpha, theta brainwave states. And so we know through research that people who reach meditative states, uh, deep meditative states, or creative states that feel like flow um, are often in... um, alpha and theta brainwave states. And there's there's some research around these instruments, these experiences being kind of fast ways in for people to reach that state. And then we also know that those brainwave states are associated with healing. So anything anything that takes anyone to a place of rest moves them toward finding more sound health. And your, are you doing like a set? Like a 90 minutes, and then are you driving home, waking up the next morning with like, oh, I can tweak this. Oh, I can extend that. Yes, every time is different. Yes, that's like, that's, this is, this is the thing that's blowing my mind. This is not me going with a song to perform. Like, this is me creating an experience. And this is actually the killer for trying to tell people about it because they'll, again, they're like, that sounds cool, but you can't know an experience until you had an experience. Correct. And you will have never never have had this experience before and you won't ever have it again because you have you're starting from scratch each time the only thing that happens in advance are the beats and i have forms that i've developed over time yeah all of the sound especially i create with my voice and i create these patterns all of that is spontaneously created it it's like a dj mixing Mm mm-hmm but then the but then like a almost like a yoga instructor or a meditative guide you're like a, it's like you've integrated bits and pieces of a number of different things yeah and created another new thing we haven't seen yeah that's not, what I feel yeah and that's that's honestly like that's the scariest part on a personal level you know speaking back to these changes in my life it's like what am i doing and, and that's what I kept feeling like when I was trying to tell people I'd have these experiences alone in my studio and I would literally think, what am I doing? And then I would take it out <laughs> into the world and people would have positive experiences, but then they wouldn't be able to describe it. Yeah. Um, and so it's been a real mind trip to try to wrap my mind around pursuing this thing that's difficult to explain, but the experience has been worth the pursuit. And then to answer your question, a lot of times I do that thing on like a Friday night and then on a Saturday night I do these voice workshops um, where I'm taking the tools that I'm using to create these experiences and helping lead people lead themselves into spontaneous creation of sound and really using the voice. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing this again now. My private voice work has transformed too. So I'm doing this in the private studio space. Oh, it breathed all this new life. It's in- the new spirit form. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, that now I'm really interested in how can we use sound in whatever capacity to help you create healing, transformation, and change in your life. That's where I am. Okay, can people hear any of this? Yes. Online? Yeah. Where where can they find? I mean, it's not the same. Nope. But where can people find even glimpses of what this is like. Yeah, so you can find me at davinyoungs.com. It's D-A-V-I-N-Y-O-U-N-G-S.com. You can, of course, at me on Instagram. <laughs> the same, Davin Youngs. And uh, yeah, and then I'm traveling a lot right now. So uh, I just flew here from Sedona where I did the Sedona Yoga Festival. Uh, I'm going to be in Florida. And you did one of these sound baths? Yeah. Yep. And I have a monthly residency at a place called the Roby Hotel in uh, Wicker Park neighborhood of Chicago where I do a sound bath, sound experience there. Um, I'm really interested in taking this to unique spaces. Yes. So, you know, the... There are spaces that are more amicable, that are easier in. A lot of those are yoga studios, and I'm a yogi. I love the community. Um, I think that this work is appropriate for almost any environment that right. that can accommodate it. Right. It's really, really, really interesting. Thanks. <laughs> I, <laughs> for me, too. <laughs> I love how the new layers in the unfolding universe 
generally involve bits and pieces of previous layers. Someone pulled this, 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 and this, and they made something new. And you always, at the beginning, don't know what to call it. No. That always, I always know I'm onto something when I don't know what it is. I just know that this is doing something to me. And it pulls this and this. I can almost like spot the threads of where it comes from. But yeah, that's just how it works. I've heard you You're say it. I've heard you say that before, but I gotta tell you, like living it is <laughs> such a different thing. Like I, I don't think you can listen to all the podcasts in the world, and you can read all the books, <laughs> you can know all the stuff, but when you actually follow that, you are gonna get messed up. Yes, yes. Like that's yeah, so yeah. important for people yeah. to know that, and and yes. again, it's gonna like messes up everything. Like your whole equilibrium gets thrown off, but then you can't not. Once you do that, and that's right. where I find myself right now, and um, in the middle of like the most beautiful mess. Right. So well said. When I meet somebody who's very concerned or exerting lots of energy to name it, this is not what we're here to do. We're not here to figure out. We're here to have the experience. And that will make everyone around you yes. frustrated, and it will. You you may even like lose relationships around sure. it. That will be so confusing sure. to everyone else. Yeah. And it's how, yeah, it's, it's the ongoing creation of the world. I'm so excited you came back. Yeah. This is, oh, man, it's so interesting. I need to come, to, I, I'm going to come to one at some point. Yeah. What was the one in Chicago? What's the hotel? It's called the Roby Hotel. It's in Wicker Park. Ah, it's so interesting. Yeah, we're, I think we're going, you're at the front end of an explosion where we're discovering how there are all these tactile experiences that are, that are drawing us into who we really doesn't are. it it feels it feels absolutely. like it feels like that i mean it feels absolutely I, I felt that at this festival this weekend i was at where it's like we are searching collectively for these elevated experiences absolutely um but they can't be the cliched version of the idea it has to be the real deal it's like when you actually you know how um you talk about a bass note Yes. They have to have the bass note. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, man, this is so much fun. Yeah. I'm so me. glad you stopped by. Thank you for and having me. And I, I, I look forward to seeing where this takes you and where it takes all of us. Awesome. I'll see you in a couple of years doing something completely. <laughs> <laughs> Robcast friends, this has been Davin Youngs. And to all of you, grace and peace be with you.